So turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 12, beginning in verse 27. Last week, Pastor Jay preached in chapter 8. And so I'm preaching in chapter 12, so there's a huge chunk right there that, that, we're, um, that we're working through. We, we're not doing a sermon per chapter, so we've had to conflate some, some passages. Uh, last week, Pastor Jay talked about, I'll, I'll give you a quick, a, a quick review of, of each chapter. Uh, chapter 8 talked about the joy of the Lord is my strength, and um, he talked about how the, the children of Israel... They were finishing the wall, and so they decided to celebrate uh, one of the feasts, and they just threw a huge party. At, at first, when they had, were reading the, the, the revelation or the law, they were reading Deuteronomy, and at first their response was weeping. And then they said, no, 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 uh, it's not time for weeping, it's time for rejoicing. And so they threw this huge, giant celebration. In fact, the text says they haven't celebrated, they haven't partied like this since the time of Joshua. So in case you're unfamiliar with how far back that is, that's about a 1,000 years. So this was literally the party of the millennium. They have not partied like this in a 1,000 years. Now think about the greatest party you've ever been to. Think about the greatest party. It was nothing like that. This was a holy party, all right? This was a good party. And it was incredible. And it was amazing. And the scripture says they've not celebrated like this in a 1,000 years. And so it was such an amazing time. That's chapter 8. That's chapter 8, rejoicing in the Lord. And um, chapter 9, it goes straight to repentance. Now, they weren't repenting from the party. They were repenting from the sins that the nation had committed and how they had left God. They had left his purposes. They had, they, the, the reason they were even exiled and not in Jerusalem was because they had, um, they had disobeyed God. And God goes, okay, I'm, I'm going to take my hand off and I'm going to let what happened happen. I'm, I'm going to let whatever happens, happens because... You're not following. You're not obeying. You're going to see where your sin leads you. And so led them into captivity. So chapter 9 is them repenting, going, God, we're back. We finished the wall. We've celebrated the feast. Now we're repenting. Um, if, you, uh, or if you find yourself, if, if you're a prayerful person that finds yourself regularly coming through um, times of where, whether it's celebration or, different, or thanksgiving or sometimes repentance, Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 9 is an incredible passage to work through in your prayers when you're praying through repentance. I encourage you to look, to look through it. It's, this, it's the it, uh, story of the nation of Israel and then repentance. Chapter 10 is they renew their promise. Uh, the children of Israel renew their promise to do what they were supposed to do the entire time. They make an agreement, no idols. They're not going to intermarry. They're going to do what they were supposed to do the whole time. Number 11, uh, chapter 11. They commit to action. So the city, the wall is finished, the temple is finished, but there's still a bunch of busted up stuff. The city's still in a lot of ruins. And so they take volunteers, volunteer leaders to come actually live in the city. So several, several of the leaders uh, volunteer as tribute to come and live in the city while um, the other people live outside the city. And so they're going to build it up. That's chapter 11. They commit to actually doing something. And chapter 12 is where we find ourselves where they dedicate the wall and ultimately the city to God's purpose. And they return to God's original purpose. So chapter 12, beginning in verse 27, you can read along with me. When it came time for the dedication of the wall, they tracked down and brought in the Levites from all their homes, the priestly tribe, in Jerusalem, 
to carry out the dedication exuberantly. So these people are all about passion, exuberant passion, thanksgiving hymns, songs, cymbals, harps, and lutes. The singers assembled from all around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Netaphathites, from Beth Gilgal, from the farms at Geba, and as Mephith. That's how you say those words, I promise. The singers have built villages for themselves all around Jerusalem. So down to verse 43. That day they offered great sacrifices, an exuberant celebration because God had filled them with great joy. The women and children raised their happy voices with all the rest. Jerusalem's jubilation was heard far and wide for this dedication. The same day, men were appointed to be responsible for the storerooms of the offerings, the first fruits, and the tithes. They saw to it that the portion directed by the revelation, the word, the law, Deuteronomy is basically what they were reading. By the revelation for the priests and the Levites was brought in from the farms connected to the towns. Judah was so appreciative of the priests and the Levites and their service, they, along with the singers and security guards, had done everything so well, conducted the worship of their God and the ritual of ceremonial cleansing in a way that would have made David and his son Solomon proud. So David and Solomon lived about 600 years before this has taken place. So they're, they're returning back and doing things the way they were supposed to be doing the entire, the entire time. Uh, the ritual of ceremonial cleansing in a way that would have made David and his son Solomon proud. <clears throat> That's the way it was done in the olden days, the days of David and Asaph when they had choir directors for singing songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. So when they dedicated the, the wall... They split into two huge groups. One side went around this way around the city. This group went around this way in the city. And they were singing and they were dancing and they were playing songs. And it was this enormous celebration, but there was, there was uh, intent behind it. It was a celebration because they were dedicating the wall, which basically meant that this was their city now, the city of God, dedication back to their original purpose. Dedication means exclusively allocated to or intended for a particular service or purpose. So they're not just finished. They didn't just finish building the house and they go, yay, we get to live in it now. They go, no, no, no. We've, we finished building this wall and we have this city that's, that is on the trajectory to be completely finished, but there's a hugely significant purpose behind it exclusively allocated. When you dedicate, you mark something for a purpose. When you rededicate, you return to that original purpose. You go back to the start, to what you remember. Anybody in here who grew up in church? I grew up in church attending uh, what felt like daily. Um, And I remember as a child, I dedicated my life to Jesus. And we say that a bunch of different ways. I got saved. Uh, I asked Jesus into my heart. Uh, I came to faith. Um, I, made Lord, I made Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. Uh, however you want to say it, Jesus became number one, and I was living my life for him. And then the next week I did that again. And the next week following, and then several hundred weeks after that. If you grew up in church, in a similar church that I grew up in, I, 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 I dedicated my life to Jesus, and then I went back to doing it just about every single week. I rededicated, and I came back, and I went, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, uh, I, I wasn't following Jesus the way I should as an eight-year-old who knows the terrible things I was doing at eight. And so 
I needed to rededicate my life. And I found myself rededicating back to what I was originally supposed to be doing, which was living for Jesus with all my heart. And so if you're like me, maybe you did the same. You see, the city of Jerusalem had an original purpose, but the people had forgotten it. They had forgotten their original purpose. The city of Jerusalem was to be at the center of God's activity on earth, of God's mission on earth. Remember, Israel was God's chosen people, and Jerusalem, the center of that chosen people. Whatever God was doing on earth, it was going to have Jerusalem at the center, not just on earth in Israel, on earth, the entire earth. Chosen people, chosen nation, chosen city. These are chosen people. This was the promised city of God's holy people. It was the, 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 the hub or the nucleus of God's activity. Whatever God's doing on earth, it was to be at the very center. Little old Jerusalem. Nehemiah 12 is the story where we read today of God's people rededicating the walls and the city Back to God's original purpose. So uh, I, I grew up, I'm just old enough to remember a few episodes of Seinfeld. Are there any Seinfeld fans in here? Uh, a few, just, just a few. I didn't watch a ton of Seinfeld when I was growing up. I, d- I have seen a few since then, though. Seinfeld is known as the, as the show about nothing, Right? Those of you that have seen it, it's a show about nothing. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a, almost a plotless sitcom. And it's popular then, I think, because people could relate. They either relate to the mundane things of life, or they could relate to having a plotless life. Aimlessly going from situation to situation to situation without rhyme or reason, just unconnected. It's like, a, um, it's like getting in the car and driving just, just to drive. Any, any of you guys ever get in the car, the, the, the Sunday drive, the Sunday afternoon drive? I'm not, the, I'm, I'm not the Sunday afternoon driver. I can get in the car and, and have no destination and make it for about 10 minutes. Usually, usually if I do that, it's, if it's not to get a, an infant to stop crying, <laughs> which I spent several years doing, if it's not for that, then I could, you know, then it's because, you know, I'm upset and I need to just go cool off or whatever. But a lot of people like to get in the car and just sit there and just drive and just go because they don't have anything else to do. Not many people do that anymore. Now they just do Netflix and, and chill. And, uh, but back then, <laughs> they just get in the car and drive. Ain't just nowhere to go. No destination, just out driving. The people of Israel had lost their purpose. A lot of churches have done the same. People don't know their purpose. There are millions of self-help books and, and finding your purpose and finding your reason and, and you're this or you're that. But God's purpose for his people has always, it's actually always been the same. It's expressed in scripture in a lot of different ways. Um, it's, it's phrased differently, but it's basically the same thing. And so I went through and I made my own list of, of God's purpose and, and how it's phrased. And so I've got a list, and we'll scroll through the slides. I wanted to put them all in one. It just didn't work out. And so uh, we've got several different slides. Uh, the first one is 
uh, in Genesis chapter 12, um, the first one is that you are to uh, be blessed and be a blessing. This is the covenant with Abraham that God made, that you are to be blessed and also be a blessing. The next one you can see, uh, Matthew chapter 22. Uh, love God with everything you have, your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Um, another way of saying that is in Matthew chapter 5. It is to um, have the light of Christ in you, but also to be the light to others. Uh, another way of saying that in Scripture, John 15, Jesus is talking and he says, um, remain in me, remain on the vine, remain in me, but at the same time, go and bear fruit. Uh, another way to say it in Philippians uh, chapter 2, God works in you to fulfill his good purpose. So God's working in you to know God, and yet at the same time, he does it so that you will shine like the stars among men. Philippians chapter 2. Um, another way to say it, a lot of people, a lot of churches use this now, and it's, it's, it's not wrong, it's true. It's we are to, our purpose is to love God and love people. It's just a, it's just a simple way to say it. Another way to say it is to know God this way, and make him known. Another way to say it, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, is we are to be reconciled to God and also have the ministry of reconciliation. So as you can see, there's a lot of different ways to say basically the same thing. That all throughout Scripture, God has, God has been active on earth. And his purpose, his original purpose for us, for his church, is the same that it was and is for Jerusalem, and that is to know God first, this, this relationship right here right, and then make him known this way. It's to participate in God's activity on earth. God's already active. He's already working. He's working in you right now, whether you sense it or not. He's working in this church He's working in this city, and he is working all over the earth right now. His activity is present. He's busy. He's at work. The Holy Spirit is working. But his purposes worked out in us is when for us to get this right, for us to know God, to have the light, to be reconciled, and yet at the same time to make him known to everyone else. That's, that's God's purpose for us, and it's, and it's worked out in us in a lot of different ways. Some of us, um, that's worked out more um, visibly than others. Some of that you can see in other people at other times better than others. But it's basically, it's, it's worded differently throughout Scripture, but it's the same thing. The challenge, though, is, is that just like the children of Israel, you and I can forget our purpose. We can, we can lose our purpose. The children of Israel, the Jews were celebrating because they were returning to their original purpose. This wall represented that. I, cannot, I can't overstate the significance of this day to, to dedicate or rededicate back to its original purpose because they had lost it. They had forgotten it 
or they had rejected. Whatever the way, whatever the reason, it was not there. They had left the original purpose. And, and you and I can do the same. You and I definitely can do the same. You and I can forget our purpose. We forget our purpose uh, when we are dedicated to the wrong things. We're dedicated to the wrong things. Um, good things can still be the wrong things. Uh, I was talking to a friend the other day, and he was telling me about a church that he grew up in. And he said there was a new pastor that came. And so he was trying to make a bunch of changes in the church. Um, and uh, the, the church was much older. And so he just found that he was getting so much pushback from the people in the church. And he felt like God had given him a vision, God had given him a dream for what he was wanting to do. And so he noticed that there were engravings in the auditorium all over the place. So this, this, this chair was dedicated uh, to this person. This pew was dedicated to this person. This piano was dedicated to this person. This, there, was, there were dedications everywhere. So he took sticky notes, and he went and put a sticky note on every single engraving in the entire room, just a little, just a little yellow tag. So Sunday morning, the church comes in, and my friend tells me, he goes, I'll be honest with you. He said, there were, there were sticky notes everywhere. They were everywhere. He said, and he goes, look. He said, this church is dedicated to everything but God. And he said, it's time for us to reorient our dedication to God. That pastor didn't last very long there. <laughs> they, didn't, they, they didn't see things the same way. But we do the same. We, we, begin, we become dedicated to the wrong things. They're good things alone by themselves. I wonder how many of us in here have good things but we've dedicated ourselves to them as if they were the thing. They are oftentimes the most, they're oftentimes, they become idols and we don't even, we're not even aware of it. They're good stuff. Like our own children. We, we're, 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 we, we, place them in a, we place them in a spot that's, we're, we're dedicated to them above all, above all else. You can say whatever you want about me. You can do that. But if you, if you tell me something about my kid, don't you dare. We can, we, can't we do that? Can't, can't, can't we do that? Or, or there's a hundred different good, thing, good things. There's, there's tons. But, but we can lose our purpose, our vision, our sight, God's original purpose, when we, have, when we are dedicated to the wrong thing. We forget our purpose when we imitate the wrong things. We do. We forget when we imitate the wrong things. Uh, several years ago, it was before Sophia was born. Uh, I know. That's my oldest. I know because uh, I was told I could never do this again. Um, but I uh, went skydiving. Anybody in here ever been skydiving? Just me? There's no way. Literally. Anybody? Okay. <laughs> Good deal. Good deal. Right on. You're still here. Good. Me too. Barely. So... <laughs> I decided to go skydiving, and uh, we put together this little group at the church that was going to go. It started out with about 32 people on the list, and um, the day we left, we had 11. <laughs> and um, I don't remember who the other people on the list were, but I hate them if I remember them, if I ever So 11 of us went. We went to go skydiving. We were in, I think, like Pell City. Um, and some, uh, we went to the, uh, an, an airport there. Yes, there's an airport there somewhere, hidden, 
hidden among the fields. There's an airport. So we go and, and um, I just, I, I'm one of the leaders of the group. So just about everybody goes first. You can only go two at a time. And so I was one of the last ones to go. And so uh, you, you skydive tandem, which means there's somebody that's strapped to you. And so the guy that uh, I was strapped to, um, his name was Chris. Uh, I later found out he had a nickname that was not Chris. Uh, those, are, those people that do those things are adrenaline junkies. And his nickname with his friends was Satan. Yes. So I rode down with Satan on my back. So I get in the airplane, you know, me and Satan, and um, we, we get on, we, we, me and, and the devil himself, and then two other people, and so we go up to uh, 9,000 feet, but I paid extra because um, I'm going all the way with this thing. And so, I mean, if you're going to go, you're going to go, you know what I mean? So we paid extra, went up to about 15,000 feet, all right? And uh, it comes about time to jump out of the airplane, and I don't know why, I'm be honest with you, I'm kind of nervous. Uh, I'm terrified, all right? I'm in an airplane with no seats, there's no handles, there's nothing. There's just, there was a little lip that went across the cabin where, where it was about this wide. And so I was scooted up against the side, and I just held on like this while I was sitting in the... And these guys, oh, I wasn't attached to anybody with a parachute yet. I just had a harness on. And the other guys that had parachutes attached to them were going, oh, what's wrong with you, man? <laughs> and I'm going, I don't have a parachute, you idiot. All right. So comes about time. They open up the door and, and strap me in, me and the devil. And we go to the door. And um, I'm, I'm terrified. And I'm thinking, but. I mean, I'm not, you can't like, you can't ride the airplane back down. You just got to go. So he said, I'm going to count to three, but he's screaming because you can't hear anything. The wind's blowing. He's, I'm going to count to three. And I'm supposed to watch for this light that turns green when it's time to go. And, I, and I'm kind of disoriented. I'm about to die. And so he, he goes, one, two, and we just roll out. As soon as we roll out, I'm like, whatever. I don't even care. We just start falling because I'm thinking if I'm going to go now, I'm going to go. I, there's no, you, you just, it just is. It's my time. It's my time. All right. Anybody's hands getting sweaty yet? Anybody here? So we're just flying, and I paid extra for this, for this guy to come with me to, to jump beside me and to film uh, because I'm not going to do it again. Like, I'm going to document this thing, and then I'm done. And so he's flying, and we're like, yeah, this is awesome, you know, flying. And I'm moving around like this. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm free-falling, but we start spinning like this. Like, like I'm like this, and then we just start spinning. Like, and it starts doing like a helicopter like this. And I'm thinking, this is not right, you know, I'm falling. And the guy, Satan, starts hitting me, and he's beating my arms, and he's moving my arms around like this. And I'm going, what is happening? And finally, we stop spinning, and I'm going, okay, good. He's got a clue. He knows what he's doing. So right about that time, we wave to the other guy. Bye now. You know, it's time to pull the chute. So we pull the chute. Chute comes out, and we're just floating. It is completely silent, serene, and beautiful. All you hear is the flap of the parachute. That's what it sounded like. That lasted about... A second. And then I just heard this litany of every cuss word that you can imagine coming from this guy behind me just yelling as if something is wrong. All right. I mean, he said, I'm just kidding. So 
We're, he's just going through it, and I'm going, this is not okay. So, something must be amok. <laughs> and so, so I'm going, what's going on? And he goes, here, hold this. And he jerks this handle down, and I hold this handle. And, um, and we start spinning around, and he goes, all right, tuck in. We're going to get rid of this chute. And I went, get rid of the chute. And he goes, one, two, three. And I went, ah! And start screaming. We free fall again. The second chute comes out. The other chute falls to the ground. All my friends think I'm dead, you know. And so finally I land safely on the ground. What I found out was when we were spinning, so I'm, I'm alive, I'm here, all right. So when we were spinning, of course, there's a video you're supposed to watch before you skydive, but I'm thinking I'm, I'm flying with somebody else. I don't need to listen. I was supposed to, though. Uh, I should have. So every time you move, um, the person on your back has to imitate what you're doing and do the exact opposite thing because he has to counter that move. So if my hands are like this and I'm like, you know, the guy that's jumping with you has to do the opposite in order to catch the air. He's got to imitate exactly what happens. And when I refused to allow him to imitate what I was doing, my life began to spin wildly out of control. Let me tell you something. When you and I decide that we are going to imitate anything other than Christ's life and the way he has shown us to live, eventually your life is going to begin to spin and you're not going to know how to stop it. The only way that it can, you can begin to feel just enough ground that you're standing on something solid. Maybe everything else around you is spinning. Maybe the entire world is crumbling. The only way you're going to have ground to stand on is if you begin to imitate Jesus and stop imitating everything that you see that comes in your eyes and in your ears, everything we're watching. Can I just tell you, there are so many forces, there are so many headwinds coming at us today that are, they may, not be, they may not be real bad, but they are just enough to call you to imitate them and imitate these things instead of Jesus's narrow way. And when we don't, we lose our purpose. When we don't imitate, we lose our purpose and we spin. Many of us at times in our life, and maybe some of you right now, have begun to imitate something else. Not intentionally, you just found yourself doing it. Imitating other, other guys at work or other, other people in the neighborhood or just stuff you see wherever. Eventually, you'll start spinning. That's how we lose our purpose. Our purpose is to know God, be restored to him relationally, and then love people. And restore relationship here. And God's active doing that, but if we're imitating other things, we're never going to see it. We're going to lose our purpose. We forget our purpose when we imitate the wrong things. We forget our purpose when we expect the wrong things. Our expectations can be off. We can expect God to do a certain thing and he doesn't. And we get disillusioned and we lose our purpose. But maybe God never promised that. John the Baptist, who Jesus said was literally the greatest prophet that ever lived. So it was kind of a big deal. <laughs> so John the Baptist gets arrested, is put in prison, and he hears what Jesus is doing. Now, he's about to die. He had 
told everybody that the Messiah was on his, on his way. And John the Baptist had lived his entire life for Christ. I mean, he lived in a desert. He wore camel hair and he ate bugs. All right. That may have been 2,000 years ago. That's still not normal. All right. So he was devoted. And he finds himself in prison. He's about to die. And all of a sudden, his idea of who the Messiah is begins to change. He's going, whoa, 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 wait, I didn't think this was my purpose. I expected something else. John the Baptist, the greatest prophet that ever lived, to quote Jesus. He expected something else when his circumstances didn't line up. So he sent his disciples to go talk to Jesus and ask him a question. Are you the one we're supposed to expect? Are you the one we're waiting on or should we wait for somebody else? Just a quick doubt, a quick question. Is this what I'm really supposed to be expecting? And Jesus says, go tell John what you see. The dead are raised, the blind see, the deaf heal. People are being restored to God. Go tell him what you see. And blessed is the person who doesn't fall away on account of me. Blessed is the person who doesn't fall away when their expectations aren't met the way they think they're supposed to be. God has an original purpose. The children of Israel celebrated and rededicated themselves to the original purpose, which was to be at the center of God's activity on earth. And your original purpose is to be in the center of God's activity here on earth. And when we expect him to do something different than his purpose, then we begin to get disillusioned and lose our own. We do the same. We forget our purpose when we believe the wrong things. We forget our purpose when we believe the wrong things. We can have, we can have wrong thoughts. We can have thoughts that don't line up with the Word of God. We, we have them regularly. Isn't that, the, isn't that the battle that we all have all the time? To, to have a renewed mind to think Jesus' thoughts instead of world thoughts or, or human thoughts? Isn't that the battle that we have? I, I, need, I, need to put on the, I need to put on the mind of Christ, to have the mind of Christ, to have a renewed mind. We have that all the time. And sometimes we get loaded down with guilt because we have these thoughts that we know are just frustrating or they're not from God. What happens when um, I'm in the office all the time and somebody comes in and they're making a, a delivery, FedEx or UPS, or somebody's making a delivery, and whoever's at the office, I've had to do this uh, numerous times. You've had to do this too. You, you, stand at the, you stand at the door, and the guy comes in, and now it's like electronic, but you, he, he hands you a little uh, uh, electronic thing. The box is delivered, you, and you gotta, you got to sign it, right? Used to, it was like a clipboard, and you used your pen and paper. No, 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 no. New millennium. We got like, we can just do our own signature with our finger now. And so you get that, and you just, what do you do? You just sign it and say, okay, I'm going to receive this, pass, this package. I'm going to accept this package, right? The next time you begin to have doubts and thoughts that don't line up with what God has already promised you or told you, do this. Just because you have them doesn't mean that you're a sinner or that you're evil or you're dark or you're out of God's will. Maybe it's just the enemy saying, hey, let me, let me distract you. Let me get you to think this thought. Instead, when that package is delivered, just do this. Don't sign for it. Just don't sign for it. When the thought enters your brain during temptation or the, or the thought enters your, 
it enters your brain, just, it, it's, it's not wrong for it to be there. It's just going to destroy you if it stays. So don't let it stay. Just don't sign for it. Go do something else. Go think something else. Go back to what God has already promised in his word. Have a renewed mind and think God thoughts instead of the other ones that are being planted in our mind every single day. We can lose our purpose when we begin to believe the wrong things. So when the wrong things rear their ugly head, just don't sign for it. Don't sign for it. Tomorrow, when it happens, just get the picture in your brain of the FedEx guy. Say, you know what? I'm not, gonna, I'm not signing on that thought. I'm just going to let it go. When the doubt comes that God's not going to fulfill his promise that he's made to you, or you think, you know what? God said he would never leave me. He probably has never left anybody else, but I'm pretty sure he's gone now. <laughs> like, don't sign for that thought. That's not, that's not from God. But if you do, if you keep it and you receive it and you play with it and you, and you, and you, and you kind of play with that thought, you'll begin to lose your purpose. You'll begin to spin. You'll begin to become disillusioned. We forget our purpose when we're dedicated to the wrong things, when we imitate the wrong things, when we expect the wrong things, when we believe the wrong things. You and I can forget our purpose, and it is the intent of the enemy to make sure that happens. The second point is this. God's purpose, you and I can forget our purpose, but God's purpose still exists even in the ruins. Even in the ruins. Jerusalem was a city of ruins that had been destroyed. But underneath the rubble, underneath the desolation, the emptiness, with no one around, God's purpose still lied latent in that city, and no one was around, even in the ruins. We get a picture in Ezekiel of the promise that God made that he would restore these people. If the worship team would go ahead and come. In Ezekiel, we get a picture of the promise that God's going to restore Israel. We find it in chapter 37. Ezekiel is in a valley. Scripture calls it the valley of dry bones, which I find to be redundant. Have you ever, have you ever been in a, I was walking in a field one time. I remember when I was a kid and I saw a, a dead animal. It was a, it was a cow. Uh, it had been dead for a long, long time. And I saw the, the, the bones that were just there. There was nothing left. And it was, just, it was just bones. They were dry. But Scripture wants to make sure you realize there's no life there. They, they, were, they were dry bones. And so this is what God says. Ezekiel says, Then he said to me, God, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. Remember the desolation of the city? They had, they had forgotten their purpose. They had lost their purpose. They are nothing but dry bones. There's nothing there. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. <clears throat> I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you out from them. I'll put my spirit in you and you will live and I will... Settle you in your own land. Then you'll know the Lord 
I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it. He says to Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel goes, only you know that, God. Only you know that. And God says, you're right. Yes, they can live. I will breathe in them and I will put my spirit in them. Many of you in here may find yourself among ruins. You look around in your life. You look at your circumstances. And you look and you go, all all I see is desolation and ruins and rubble. And God says, Leighton, sitting underneath all of it, his purpose is still there. It's still there. God will breathe life back into you. And no matter what the circumstances are around, his purpose is still there. And it is this, that you and I be at the center of his activity here on earth. God's moving, he's active, he's working, he's he's doing, he's moving. And God calls you to respond to what he's saying in here and then to respond to what he's doing out here. It is so basic and yet so deep, isn't it? So basic. God's busy doing work. He invites you in. That's his purpose. Would you stand with me? There may be some of you in here, if you would close your eyes, nobody looking around. There may be some of you in here that have never taken that first step of dedication, saying, I just realized today, like you said, God has a purpose. And that's hard for me to believe, but I, I, if that's true, I'll, I'll, I want to dedicate myself to him and his purpose, whatever that is. Maybe that's you in here. Or maybe it's time for you to make a rededication, a reorientation, a restart, a reset, a renewal, a moment where you take just a moment and you go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit reset on this real quick. Because God is busy at work and I have forgotten my purpose or I've neglected my purpose or I've rejected my purpose. Whatever that is, if that's you in here, nobody looking around, you would say, Joel, I, I need to make a rededication. I'm, I'm not, uh, not going to embarrass anybody in here. But I do want you to acknowledge that in front of uh, the Holy Spirit who's here. If that's you in here and you say, I need to make a rededication this morning to God's purpose, would you just lift your hand real quick? Lift it high. Yes. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. I just need to make a rededication. God has a purpose. Yes. God's got a purpose and I want in on it. God, we're grateful to be here. God, I'm grateful to stand here to tell your people to remind all of ourselves again about your good and perfect plan and how you have a special role for each and every one of us. God, I pray for those in here, God, that are making a rededication this morning to your purpose. God, solidify it in our hearts. 
Make us aware of what you're doing and how we can participate in it. God, we repent this morning of where we've neglected to follow you and to participate in what you're doing. And we turn back around from where we are. God, we love you this morning. I pray that you would go with every single person in this room. God, this week, as attacks happen on our purpose and while we're here, that you would remind us that it is to know you and to make you known. Renew that in our minds and give us a fresh awareness and a fresh way of thinking of how we can make that happen, how we can participate in that. Renew us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you raise your hand, we'd love to pray with you up here. Uh, If not, otherwise, uh, you're dismissed this morning.